Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Racetech. Racetech Gold Valve's pretty much a revalve in a box. You don't believe me? Call them up. And when you do so, mention Big MX Radio because you're going to save some money. You're going to save at least 10% off of your purchase and also for the the service as well. You can also get your engine done. Let's be honest, it's been a while since you had that thing cracked open. Let the guys over at Racetech take care of you little extra horsepower, maybe even just some maintenance to make sure it's running tip-top. Call them today, mention Big MX Radio, and like I said, you're going to save some money. Same goes with Luxon MX. Luxon MX is not just another triple clamp company. They are engineers passionate about pushing the limits of the status quo, and they've been doing it for a lot of years. These guys are performance engineers who are dedicated to absolutely maximizing your good feedback on the motorcycle, that's what's going to help you feel more comfortable. When you're more comfortable, you're feeling more safe. When you're feeling more safe, you don't feel, you don't feel uh, too bad about uh, pushing the pace a little bit, trying to drop those lap times, maybe even go get yourself a championship. You can enter discount code BIGMX at checkout. Save yourself 10%. You know a set of triple clamps, damn near $1,000. So when you when you enter BIGMX at checkout, you're basically saving $100. And that is an unlimited offer that we offer to the BIGMX Radio Faithful. And I thank you guys for being so awesome about using that discount code because I got a call from them just one month ago saying that throughout 2023, the BIGMX Radio Faithful and that code is responsible for 10% of the, all of their sales of the entire year so far. So you guys are really pulling through for me. Uh, Please do the same with all of the sponsors that we have, including W Wheels. You can call up John Anderson, Kristen Anderson over at W Wheels. Mention Big MX Radio. You're going to save some money, 15% off a brand new set of wheels. The Edge set of wheels, $900 for a set of wheels. You're going to save back almost $150. That is awesome. Uh, and your bike is going to be not only looking good, but it'll be feeling good with a, a stronger set of wheels beneath you. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line for the, for the second time in as many weeks, uh, I said he was going to be a repeat offender, and I was not wrong. I was not lying to you because you know what? It was all baked into the pie. This is all part of the plan because when the two of the me and this kid connected, we might be about nine years difference in age, but it's not. It's good that I'm immature and he's more mature than I am. So those two worlds collide. And welcome back to the podcast, Zach Heron. What's up? Glad you weren't sick of me after the first one. Absolutely. Not even close, my friend. I am still uh, going through withdrawal of the, the good times, the high fives, and everything else that comes along with uh, with hanging out with you down in the beautiful state of New York. And I do mean beautiful because the countryside was absolutely breathtaking. If you could eat the scenery, you'd, you'd, ha- you'd be, uh, be on a caloric um, surplus every single day because it was absolutely gorgeous down there. Uh, you're back home now uh, on the heels of yet another round of GNCC. We've gone seven for seven on winners. I need you to catch me up. For those who are not fully on board with all things GNCC, and for those who do not know, you are the voice of GNCC. You've been uh, along for the entire ride for this series, and it's been an awesome one. Um, for the folks at home, as well as myself, clue us in on the season that's been with GNCC. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It's been a really cool way to come into the series. This is my first year joining both GNCC and the Racer TV crew, um, along with Jackson Burl and then Mikey Waynes, who's kind of filling in for the legendary Rodney Tomlin, who was uh, the guy that was he was there from the start. He he is definitely the longtime voice of GNCC. But uh, before that, 
I didn't have as much education as a lot of people might think I did. I knew the big names. You know, Stu Baylor is, is such a personality. I think a lot of the motocross and supercross community probably know or have heard of him at least. Um, and then being here in North Carolina, Josh Strang, who's originally from Australia, um, I knew who he was just because I had actually gotten to do some riding with him way back in 2015 when uh, I was trying to get ready for Loretta's. So besides those two guys, I came in kind of blind. Uh, so I did a little bit of research. I watched some of the racing from 2022. And when we got to round one, uh, the question was who was going to be able to recover from the injuries that they had in the offseason. Uh, Stu Baylor coming back from a pretty big neck injury. Uh, ben Kelly, who is kind of, I don't want to say he's the number one rider, but one of the top riders there at that Red Bull KTM team. He was coming off a pretty traumatic leg injury. Ricky Russell, who's riding for Ampro Yamaha, um, coming off of, I believe, it was a collarbone injury. Um, so it seemed like a lot of those top runners had a lot of question marks around them at round one, including Stu Baylor. Well, in typical Stu Baylor fashion, he came out swinging and grabbed the first win of the season. Had a lot of people sweating, a lot of people curious to see what he was going to be able to do uh, aboard a new team that he is also the team manager of. So doing a lot of juggling there, balancing a lot of responsibilities. Uh, so then we moved around to way down in the sand of Florida. It was already hot. The conditions uh, take Southwick, stretch it out over about 12, 13 miles, and then race on it for three hours, I would like to say, is, is pretty comparable. Um, and there it was the FMF Red Bull KTM rider of Ben Kelly grabbing the win. And also I feel like putting to bed a lot of the questions around his leg injury uh, to be able to ride that confidently, that well, over that entire race there in Florida really shut down a lot of the concerns with his skill and his health coming into the season. Then, one week later, we moved to Georgia, and everything looked great, and then the rain came. And ladies and gentlemen, I am telling you what, growing up racing motocross, I've seen some pretty bad races. 2009 Bud's Creek. Uh, I would say extremely comparable, only we're not cutting laps, we're not cutting time, I couldn't see. I did not see my feet pretty much the entire day. I'm talking under running water where I was announcing that. And typical GNCC fashion, they fired them up and they went out and raced. And uh, there it was Craig DeLong, who's riding for the Rockstar Husky team, grabbing his first XC1 win uh, in convincing fashion there in the mud. So there at round three, we're like, wow, three winners in the first three races. This is pretty spectacular. But Brad, I'm sure as you know, by that time in, in any race season, whether it's Supercross or GNCC, you kind of start to have the guys make their way to the top. You know what I mean? Pecking order, yep. Absolutely. Well, so we as the announcers and the broadcasters are trying to figure out who we think are going to be the guys week in and week out. Well, we had a little bit of a break, and then we go to round four, uh, which is actually held on the same property as round one. A lot of people, of course, thinking, well, Stu Baylor's going to do it again. Not happening. The Tiger Run GNCC at round four went to the Ampro Yamaha racer of Ricky Russell, who in his interview said, yeah, I was having some issues with my collarbone in the first few rounds. Now I feel 100% again. I'm ready to knock out a couple of wins. Wow. Four winners in the four, first four rounds. Everybody's like really starting to get hyped up about this, but it's surely that bubble's got to pop at some point, right? Absolutely not. We go to round five. And Grant Baylor, who is the younger brother of Stu Baylor, riding for the Babbitts online Monster Energy Kawasaki, kind of out of nowhere, I feel like. He was, he was, we all know Grant's got skills around the GNCC community, but he was not the one that I was expecting to come out and grab a win there at round five, 
shutting down a lot of rumors around him as well, but five winners in the first five races, people, that's what I'm telling you. We're all hanging with our mouth open, and it's my first year. So I'm thinking, well, man, maybe this is, maybe this is what it's like. Everybody that's been there a long time says, this is, this is insane. Like, I cannot believe that this many people have won already. Well, what do we do? We go to round six. The other Red Bull KTM rider, Johnny Gerard, who's also coming off of some injuries, uh, who's been doing well in the Sprint Enduro Series, which is a, a whole other type of off-road racing series, put all the pieces together, came through the pack, uh, the sixth winner in the series, six races. I mean, to say we were all hanging our mouth open because we did not see it coming. He had to fight through a couple people coming all the way to the line. Got it done. Johnny Gerard grabbed win number six. So just this past weekend, right after I talked to you on the way up there, we go to Ohio, and we're like, okay, there's only eight people in the XC1 class still still racing at the moment that aren't that haven't gone out with injury. We have four riders get injured, um, which is much better than what we saw in 2022. So eight riders on that starting row, six of which have grabbed a win. Well, one of the guys who has won this race the last two years, Josh Strang, is not one of the winners we've had yet. So a lot of eyes were on him. But it was the reigning champion, Jordan Ashburn, on the Magna One Husqvarna team who grabbed the seventh win of the season, making it seven different winners in seven races, leaving only Josh Strang, who I would easily say is a contender to grab a win. He's got a second, uh, he's gotten a third, and he got a fourth there at round number seven. Um, the only rider there on that XC1 runner who has not grabbed a win yet. Brad, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm almost concerned. This season has been so exciting. I'm nervous to see what the future seasons are going to be. This one's going to be hard to beat. Absolutely. No, it's it's seven for seven. It's it's like the, the series itself is only 12 rounds. So we've had a different winner at over half of the rounds so far. The real question is who's going to be the first to get a second win. And honestly, like... Any of these guys who who've won over the last seven rounds, like the the previous guys who they've all all those guys who won in the first six rounds, every single one of them were very disappointed to not win in that seventh round. And I don't know if there's a is if there's an eighth guy out there who could possibly make it happen. Maybe that's not in the cards. But regardless, um, it's it's generated a lot of notoriety towards the sport as well as the just that discipline in general. Uh, you as well as I know that like growing up in the sport, off-road and, and just GNCC was sort of like a redheaded stepchild of the disciplines. Like they they're, they're, like the people who were into it, they were super into it, but it was a big subsection of racing. Um, the, the gear wasn't on point. The, like, it didn't look, it didn't quote unquote, quote, look cool to be an off-road uh, racer. That has all changed. Uh, the narrative has been completely flipped on its ear and, uh, no, I'm, I'm really excited to see it and, uh, yeah, people can catch it all, uh, on racer TV. Where do they go to watch it? Yeah. So like you said there, you can go to, you can go to gnccracing.com, uh, and get to racer TV that TV that way as well. Uh, but the fastest way as well as the way to get all of the recaps and the highlights from this season is to go to racer tv.com. Um, and then we will be broadcasting, not this weekend, because we got the opening round of Pro Motocross. I'm super excited to get into that. Uh, that's, that's, that's my series right there. I love outdoors. Um, so we're taking a break this coming weekend, and then we will be back the following weekend in Pennsylvania for the Mason-Dixon GNCC. And you guys can catch the four-wheeler racing, if you're into that, on Saturday. And then the pro bikes uh, come on, usually expected around 1 o'clock, on racertv.com. 
Perfect, man. Well, that that's right around the next time that we'll hear from you as well here on the Big MX Radio podcast uh, when we break down rounds one and two of the AMA Outdoor National Series. Um, this is sort of a continuation now of the SMX series. Uh, I guess like I don't know if they're going to be tabulating points of from. Um, both Supercross and Motocross to sort of like see who's the overall like like the I guess it would be considered the Grand National Championship. They they used to do that back in the eighties where they would basically uh, tabulate both Supercross and Outdoors to tell you who is the uh, the ultimate winner. But um, either way, we have ourselves a summer of great racing coming down. It might not be uh, as deep in the 450 class, and we're going to get to that in a short bit, but um, you and I both champing at the bit to sort of do a little bit of a, two, a, a four, 2023 AMA Outdoor National Preview. Um, what say we start off with the 250 class uh, before we get up to the big boys? Sound good? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, let's dive straight into, uh, this is a storied history of a Japanese manufacturer that unfortunately over the last few years, or at least a decade-ish, they've kind of gone astray a little bit. There might not be as much support for... uh, like the American motocross series, even there's even less for the Canadian national series. If, if I've seen a Canadian national on a Suzuki uh, racer, that would be a big surprise. Um, or at least someone who's got some deep pockets to just, and just is a diehard Suzuki fan. Bar X Suzuki, unfortunately for them, their outdoor uh, kind of like their ace in the hole for the outdoors was Brandon Shar. He, he's, he's a he's good supercross racer, but he's a great outdoor guy. He breaks his arm training for, to, to race outdoors. I would have expected him to be on a 450 rather than a 250. Uh, but he's going to be sidelined. I'd assume he's, he's going to be out for the entire entirety of the season. But on 250s, they've got three guys. They've got Dylan Schwartz as well as is it Robbie Wageman and uh, what's what's Yinser's for? Chase, is Chase Yinser? Uh, if you don't know who Chase so, Yinser yeah. is, uh, if you watched the... Uh, the futures, and you saw a Suzuki basically just hang a left through the 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 pack, and then uh, and then actually eventually just uh, kind of the exit stage right um, on the the following uh, rhythm section. Uh, that's Chase Yenser, and uh, he'll be a 250 rookie for this year. Uh, what do you know about Bar X Suzuki? Well, you know, kind of like you said, their their star rider there, Brandon Shearer, uh, having the issues with the arm. Brandon been around the Carolinas a lot. Um, I've actually got to call him in a couple of different races, and really a strong rider, doing a little bit of training as well. Um, but I'm interested to see. We've seen Schwartz has kind of been that guy that I feel like he's been the one where you're like, hey, who's that Suzuki? And it seems like whenever they're talking about that Suzuki guy, they're talking about Schwartz. And so um, I think he needs to get a little more consistency. Um, it's great that we see him, but it's we got to see him at the end as well. And so um, I, I want to see if he's able to put together some some complete races and get deeper into the season. Um, Wageman, another one, uh, he's been around a little bit longer. I think he's got a little more experience there in that 250 class. Um, and, and I know a lot of people, they don't look down, but you know the opinions of Suzuki have definitely changed over the last, close to a decade now, to be honest with you. But uh, I, I do think that Suzuki 250 has the potential to ride well. Um, I, I think if they're able to get everything together and get him comfortable on the bike, Wageman, somebody that can, can produce some good results. Um, Yenser, I'm not quite as familiar with. Um, I do recognize the name. Um, I know I've heard of some in amateurs, but uh, 
I think if he's going in, he's a rookie, you just do the standard rookie advice, right? I think you got to finish the races. you got to be there throughout the season um, and just try not to make the big one, the big mistake that gets you a broken leg or gets you even, – even if it's just a broken collarbone, you've got to have – you've got to be there, get the experience. Um, it's, it's a whole other level once you get to that pro class, especially out in the outdoor nationals, 40 riders or 42, I guess, out there at one time. So, um, yeah, for him, I think just try to have consistent races and be there in the end. Certainly. I think the, the biggest kind of takeaway from what I think about Suzuki right now, whether it's the 250 or the 450, is yes, the, the, the platform is has some time on it. Um, but it, it's, it's not just the motorcycle, it's the support around the motorcycle. Um, they, they don't have, like, obviously they have twisted development engines, which are strong engines. I think they're going to have good bikes. Um, but I don't think they have the ability to go out there and, and offer salaries to guys like, uh, RJ Hampshire, Tom Vial, um, like your Styles Robertson of the world. And that's why they're not able to bring in guys that have that top end speed. So in, 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 in essence, that actually kind of almost makes the bike look worse in that you don't have that top tier rider and it, because it's already perceived to not be a top tier bike. Um, and that's why the, the team and the riders seem to be sort of mired in that, like, sort of like an eighth place would be a really good day for any of these guys. Um, which for all intents and purposes, like if you're looking at a manufacturer of like where, where their top rider is eighth place is just not quite cutting it as far as, uh, your, your, your expectations. Um, and this is honestly the 250 class is a whole lot more deep than the 450. So, um, they're going to be, they're going to be in tough. The whole team will be. Uh, but I think they're going to put their best foot forward and try and uh, to make some noise. I don't think that um, Pipes Motorsports Group, uh, aka Hep Suzuki, will be fielding a 250. If they do, it'll be Marshall Welton. But I would, if if Marshall's racing outdoors, I would expect him to be on a 450. Um, that seems to have been their move in the past is is to basically go 450s outdoors, um, just because like from from a maintenance standpoint. And a, a longevity standpoint of just being able like to build a bike that can withstand racing twelve rounds, right? This I guess now it's eleven rounds of um, of outdoor racing. It's just so much more budget conscious to be able to put together a four fifty. It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense um, to to build up a two fifty that's not going to be contending for a championship. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think uh, you've oftentimes heard that as far as the amount of. I guess maintenance and work that goes into keeping those race 250s functional throughout a season. Um, obviously, still a significant amount that goes into the 450s, but um, yeah, definitely a little bit, little bit keyword easier on that team there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see whether or not. I, I know Welton's had some good results, um, and I know he's had several races with that Hep Suzuki team outdoors, I believe. So um, hopefully, they've got some good base to build off of, and uh, maybe we'll see him out there. Yeah, we very well could. All right, let's move over to, uh, I just call these like the, the Austrian manufacturers. We're going to be rolling through uh, some manufacturers over the next little while here who basically all share a similar platform. Uh, the teams do run very independently, though. Um, you'll see them practice together from now, now and again, but for the most part, uh, they do rather, they, they operate uh, like very separately uh, as far as um, team personnel, I'm sure they, they share some information as far as chassis settings and stuff like that, but uh, the teams are, are very separated. And like, there's a lot of question marks on this first one. Is it the Gas Gas team with TLD? 
Uh, Michael Moseman has had a season to absolutely forget. After a 2022 season where he became uh, a race winner, a, ra- a title threat even on the West Coast. Um, or was he on the... Yeah, he was on the West Coast. Uh, it was. It just seemed like a, like a storybook year for him. He, he was in the press conferences, telling stories, and now all is quiet on that front. Um, I don't even really know if he's even healthy rolling into the season. I doubt that he is. Uh, and same thing goes for um, Pierce Brown, who will miss the start of the outdoors uh, with an injury as well. He's just getting back on the bike now. Um, basically, their, their only 250 combatant will be Caden Braswell, who's coming over. He, like, for those who don't know, he was uh, he's a TLD kid for the longest time. Um, he's had a lot of success over there. Of course, that was on KTMs. These are red KTMs. Uh, but he should be uh, pretty comfortable right away. Um, the Phoenix Honda team uh, basically is parting ways with him about two weeks ago, so he's not going to have a ton of prep on that bike. Um, but I still think he's in a better position racing that bike over a uh, Phoenix Phoenix Honda rolling into this outdoor season. What do you think? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, just going at the top of the list there, Moseman, I, I completely agree. I think it's a, a season to forget, but I also think it's a season that he's, in a way, become forgotten. Um, in this sport, as we all know, uh, if you're not there, you do kind of get pushed back into the shadows. And so I'm not sure exactly what's going on behind the scenes there. You would think that something's up. I, I mean, we know he's got the speed. Like you said, he's, he's got the, the rap sheet to show that he's capable of doing it. But uh, not sure whether it's a personal thing. Maybe he's not vibing with the team anymore. Um, but, yeah, really, really not sure what's going on with him. Uh, Pierce Brown. Uh, like you said, I think he's missing, I'm not sure exactly how many of the first rounds that he's going to be out. Um, and, and then the question is how he returns. We've seen Pierce run up front uh, before. We've also seen Pierce has some pretty, um, I don't want to say bad rides, but pretty rides that he would probably like to forget. Um, and yeah, so he's been invisible. Consist- yeah, absolutely. Sometimes. The consistency's got to be there, and, and I think for him, um, especially considering he's going to be out of the points chase to begin with, um, I think it's time for him to show his speed, show that he's capable of running up front, um, and then from there just try to stay consistent. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what he's able to do. Caden Braswell, um, you know, I, I definitely – I know, like you said, he grew up there on the, the KTM side. I was able to catch him out there at Loretta's and, and have a really, really strong performance. Um, and, and I do believe that everybody was excited over on that Phoenix Honda team. Um, they're, they're actually one of the, the top dogs in the – 250 class there in GGNCC, um, and, and so I know that they were stoked about it. Um, I'm not sure what exactly went down with, with Phoenix. I, I don't believe that they're going to be participating in the outdoors this season, but Caden, I think as far as where he found himself on this trolley design gas gas, is probably in a more comfortable position than he would have been if he was to say, let's go to Yamaha or, or maybe one of the Japanese brands because he's got that familiarity with the Austrian brands already. No, I, I think you're exactly right. I think he's a little bit of a dark horse because we don't really know what we have with Caden. Um, like he's cer- certainly more of an outdoor guy than he is uh, a Supercross specialist. So maybe we see a little bit of an uptick. One thing that I do like about him is that he does get good starts outdoors. Uh, is something that he he showed a lot of uh, promise with during his amateur career. So I would look for that to be sort of his ace in the hole to at least be able to run the pace of the guys up front, and you know that he's fit. So. Um, I think that Caden Braswell is going to surprise some people and maybe be uh, one uh, bright spot over on the Austrian brands, uh, especially when it comes to the gas-gas contingent. 
Uh, Want to handle the uh, the star the, the yeah rock star husky team for me? Yeah, so you know we look at take a look at Jalik Swole. Um, he's going to be returning to injury, and, and it sounds like he is headed to the Triumph program once they make their introduction into the series. Um, but I think for Jalik, there's not necessarily been the results that I feel like people have been expecting from him. Um, he's got the speed, and whether it's been bad luck or injuries, um, I'm not saying it's entirely his fault, but I think um, this is a, a moment for him, not only for the Rockstar Husky team, but also to show Triumph, like, hey, I am somebody worth betting on and worth having to represent your company. Um, we all know how important first impressions are, and so um, I think Jalik needs to have a strong performance, and, and of course, he's got to stay healthy. Um, so we'll see what Swole's able to put the pieces together. Uh, you take a look at Talon Hawkins. Um, he's a kid. He's young. Um, we know how that goes. Oftentimes they're, they're more than happy to leave the throttle on, but it's a matter of, of making sure they don't go over the berm in the process. Um, so we'll see whether he's able to keep it within the, in the markers and, and show that he's going to be not only there in the beginning of the races in the season, but like I keep pointing out, you know, it's great when we have people pop out in those first rounds, maybe even the first two rounds. But when you really start getting into the, the dog days, as they like to say, um, that's when you've got to find that the ability to ride strong in the beginning, but you still have enough gas in the tank to, to be there in the end. Um, and I think oftentimes these, these younger riders, they're coming off of Loretta's, which runs a little bit shorter races. Um, obviously they're doing their preseason training, but the intensity is, is not something that I think can be replicated. Uh, so we'll see what he's got. Um, and then of course, RJ Hampshire, you know, he's, uh, he's the vet in the class and, and for RJ, it's keep it on two wheels. If there is one thing that I can say about RJ Hampshire it is he has got to stay off the ground. Um, it's, I, I think he's an amazing guy. Uh, ironically, he's another one that I got to watch his final year at Loretta's. And to say it was dominating or a dominant performance is an understatement. He looked so smooth, but even that year, he went flying at one point and had enough of a lead that he could get up and still win. And so for, for RJ, the passion's there. Everybody knows he, he wants this. Um, I think everybody knows that he is also well aware that he's the vet in the class and he hasn't been able to do it. Um, and, and he's somebody where even if I don't see him right up there in the top one or two off around of one, I'm almost going to take that as a positive sign because I'm like, okay, man, if he can just, he can stick in there through the first half of the entire season and then really start to, to put those performances together. I feel like he could be a threat. Um, and, and as we've seen, I think he is not scared to, uh, to, to put it in or even slide it in on, on the Lawrence's or anybody else. He's got the confidence and he knows he should be up front. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be any opportunities to operate that slip and slide that he uh, put into practice um, in New York there, but or I guess that was New Jersey. But um, the thing with RJ, I could see him winning nationals, I could see him winning multiple races, but I could also see him uh, having a result of like a one DNF or a two DNF, and those are the types of days that cost you championships. Those are the types of days that uh, unfortunately have sort of. Uh, built the the reputation that RJ currently has is being extremely fast but susceptible to uh, a crash that doesn't allow him to finish the race and uh, and you, you you can't have those if you want to uh, to win championships um, in either class um, it's it's well, now a shorter championship than it's ever been and uh, yeah he can't have those 
Absolutely, and, and and to that point, it's a shorter championship, and, and we talk about the depth in the 450 class a lot, but there's a lot of depth in this 250 class as well. Oh, yes. And so when you have, even if it's a simple mistake, oftentimes uh, a quick tip over, you can lose four or five different spots, and those don't come back nearly as easy. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's going to have to be, I know he likes to push the pace, I know he likes to, to go for the win, but ultimately he's got to have that big picture and, and try to be there at, at round 11. Certainly. And I, I think that uh, if, if he's able to sort of uh, mature as a rider, and uh, we've seen a little bit of that each year with RJ, a little bit more and a little bit more, um, he can be a contender for this championship, but has to stay on off the ground or off the ground in order to be able to do so. Let's round out the KTM uh, manufacturers uh, with, or the, the Austrian manufacturers with KTM. Max Bolin, he's on his way uh, out with that team, but he's still a guy who's going to have lots of speed. He's he's uh, he's shown that he's had um, he's led at uh, at Fox Raceway in the past. Um, I, I think that the last two years for Maximus have been uh, a little bit like I think he, you'd probably want to forget them to be completely honest. Like he's had a few flashes of brilliance, but that's about it that we've seen. That's kind of why he's he's moving on from KTM and has his sights set on uh, Star Racing Yamaha for 2024. Um, it, the real question is: is how important is it for him to leave KTM having put his best foot forward and have some strong results? Obviously, these kids race for money; they they race for pride and all that fun stuff. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm interested to see what we see from, from Max, um, because he's got a really high ceiling, but we, I think we, we might see him more closer to where his floor is at. Well, and it's, it's kind of been an interesting development there with, with Max's phone, because we have, like you said, we've seen him out front. He, he's shown like, Hey, I've got the, I've got the skills, I've got the speed. Um, and, and for, for him, you know, I always do like to mention when they are the son of a pro racer. I, I think that that is, is something that the mindset and the way that they grew up, I, I do think that there is some expectation, or at least from my point of view, I feel like there should be some insight. And, and, and whether it's his family right. or whether it's the team, um, I think there should be somebody trying to figure out exactly what's going wrong um, because I don't feel like we're even seeing those flashes anymore. And so – um, we all know KTM, KTM's a big dog. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of support going on between ultimately the three brands. Obviously, like you said, they're different brands, but, uh, KTM is really putting out some serious horsepower as far as in the industry. And I think reputation is important as well. Um, from what I understand it, I, I think things have been cordial, but you and I both know that KTM can't be, can't be satisfied with the results that they're having. Um, and so, I think for Max, he needs to, to really try to show at least that he's trying. Um, I, I mean, whether the, the results are able to come or not, like you said, I, I think I think all these riders really do try as hard as they can, but it's when the things go wrong, do they give up? You know, when he has that crash 20 minutes into the race, does he say, I oh, forget it and go back to the truck? Or does he, does he you know, buckle down, clear his goggles out, and, and go on and try to try to salvage something, try to put that KTM in the top 20? Um, and those are the type of things, you know, heart starts coming into play. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, I think not only is that something that KTM looks at, but I definitely think that's something that Star Racing pays attention to. Um, so, like we said, he's got a sight set, but uh, un- until you're sitting on the starting gate on that bike, I don't think anything's 100% for certain. And so um, he needs to come out and he needs to perform. 
uh, regardless of what color he's sitting on. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, rounding out your KTM and Austrian manufacturers is your 2022 MX2 MXGB champion, Tom Vial. Uh, he's he's French, he's fast, and if, if Supercross told me anything about Tom Vial is that he has the ability to adapt. His starts will be there regardless if it's Supercross, Outdoors, uh, MXGP, uh, Motocross Designations. He he is a world-class starter. And if I'm not mistaken, this year they're actually going to be using the, the greats. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that. I'm not personally a fan of greats, out, especially outdoors. I wasn't a fan of concrete starts either, um, even though we had those for about a half a decade or at least a decade in, in the outdoors. Um, there's actually two, two, two places here that still use them, uh, um, uh, regrettably. But anyway, Tom Vial is for all intents and purposes i think he is an absolute dark horse in this championship not enough people are talking about the fact that this kid can go to basically any racing surface around the globe and put out the fastest lap time he absolutely has that skill set uh and like the most maybe the most important thing in all of this is the starts and they're absolutely going to be there the kid just starts up front that's all he does for a living and for that reason, I think he's going to be able to uh, get those starts and uh, and hang on to uh, some of the other front runners, um, like a, a Levi Kitchen, like a Joe Shimoda, and then we're going to get to Hunter Lawrence a little bit down the way here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, he kind of reminds me of a, of a young Marvin Muskan, obviously yep. the, the French, the KTM, um, and, and honestly the style. He's very smooth, uh, very calculated with where he puts the bike. Um, but yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. If, if you're going to do anything right in this series, if you can start up front consistently, you give yourself the best opportunity to avoid crashes, avoid mistakes. Um, and, and honestly, throughout the season to the point of, of him being able to adapt, if he's able to get up front those first couple races and, and say, hey, OK, here's where these guys are starting to, to gap me. Here's where I'm starting to lose the distance. He's going to adapt. He's going to figure it out. And I think he's going to adjust. Um, Vial obviously coming over from the MXGP circuit does have more experience on the greats uh, in, in race circumstances as well. I, I do think that you can practice them, and I think it'll help. But until you're in that real race where the the nerves and the emotions are there, um, I, I think he's got it very calculated. And so um, I expect him. You know, I'll go out on a limb here, and I'll, I'll call Tom Vial for the first whole shot of the season, and you can stamp that down, just because I, I really think. The guy's got it figured out, and we know that the KTMs are fast. So, um, yeah, for him, we got to see him start up front, but you know they don't pay points just off of the whole shot. So he's got to be able to start up front and, and try to figure out where he's at in that front group. I do think he's going to be in the top vicinity of – I think he'll be inside the top ten for sure. But uh, oh, we know sure. along with – the MXGP being able to ride different uh, types of soil and different conditions, we know that the heat is oftentimes an issue. And so I think that's going to be really crucial for him, and, and I'm sure the entire team is trying to prepare him. Um, you know, if, if you remember even back when Ken Roxon came over to the United States, he lived in Texas with Andrew Short for a while just so that he could try to figure out how to get adapted to the heat. And so um, it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, I think he's got a really, really strong team around him. Uh, between the resources he has at Red Bull um, as well as with just that KTM team in general. I think he's he's put himself in a good position 
Um, but yeah, we'll just we'll see whether he's able to start up front and finish up front as well. Yeah, the, I, I think that the the the, the recipe for success in two fifty outdoors great starts, fitness, and speed. He has all three of those. The question is whether or not he's going to be able to be at the same level on all three of those as his competitors. We're going to find out in uh, in less than a week's time. Um, Star Racing Yamaha always has a laundry list of riders. Um, Zach, if you'd be so kind to run those down for me. Yeah, I guess I can do that for you. So uh, now we take a look at the top of the list. Uh, We'll talk about the riders that are not going to be there. Nick Romano and Nate Thrasher. Uh, really a heartbreak for Thrasher. He was he was having a strong season, not only just in speed, but in that consistency as well, which I think he's uh, it's been, been something he's been missing a little bit. Um, but then we take a look at Styles Robertson. And, and with Styles, um, I think a lot of people are eager to see what he's able to do. We've seen that the kid's got speed. We've seen that he's got fitness. Um, even back when he was on a Husky, I think a lot of people were caught by surprise. Um, but for Styles, he, he's got to have a good summer. He's got to perform because this star racing team, I would say those are probably at the moment, I would say those are probably the most sought after seats in the industry in that class. Um, absolutely. I think, yeah, and everybody probably the least knows. patient at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, the pressure is not only there externally, but it's there internally as well. Um, when you've got such a big team and they're training together and they're riding together, um, I think he needs to show that he can be a top dog. Um, uh, the next rider on my list here, Hayden Deegan, that's going to be that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I don't think confidence is an issue. Um, and, and what I hope to see is what we've seen in Supercross, where he's had speed, he's had ability, but he hasn't quite been as sketchy as I think some people thought he was going to do. Um, I, I think it was going to be. It's going to be one of those things where he's going to need Brian in his ear. He's going to need the team in his ear because I do think he's going to have opportunities where if he absolutely sends it and is regardless of being you know sketchy or not, he might get the pass and he might go flying off the track. And, and so he's got to check it and, and I think be comfortable with taking whatever positions come. He's another one where we'll see where the endurance is at as far as his fitness goes um, because I do think – him especially, if you even even listening to his podium interviews, you know, he's yeah, man, I'm super excited, and he's just talking really, really fast, and, and you can just tell he's so <laughs> pumped up. And so if that's any indication of what he's like out on the track, it just seems like he's so eager and so excited. Um, you know, I think sometimes you can get a little bit ahead of yourself. So he's got to take a deep breath, uh, you know, understand it's going to come in time, and, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Levi Kitchen, he's a guy that I think has uh, really got the capability to be – be strong. Um, I think uh, he's got to. He's got something to prove. He's he's been right on the right on the brink. Um, but I, I think for him, the rumor mill is saying that he's supposedly going to be on Kawasaki come twenty twenty four. I think he needs to end this chapter with with Star Racing really well. They picked him up right out of of amateurs. He had an incredibly uh, impressive performance out at Loretta's. Um, but I completely agree in the sense of what you did at Loretta's is great, but I think this is the pros. This is nobody really looks at that anymore, and, and hey, you're in the big boys, and he's not a rookie anymore. Uh, he's got to start getting those results. Justin Cooper drops back down to the 250 class. Um, 
I honestly feel like Justin Cooper's got a lot of question marks around him because we know he's fast, but we've also seen some performances that I, I just think aren't as characteristic for him. Um, it's Certainly almost last like summer, yep. Yeah, and it's almost like sometimes these riders can overstay their welcome in the class where it's it's like they, they get to a point to where they're just they're killing it on the 250, and if that's not when they make the step up to that 450 class, then they almost, if you want to call it hitting their ceiling or, or, or just – you know, they've done as much as they can on the bike. They almost start to, to go backwards in the sense that they have these freak issues. Um, so hopefully Justin Cooper, he's been riding that 450 a lot. I think he's getting comfortable on that. Um, so maybe that'll be a little a little bit of a break, and he comes back to the 250 refreshed. Um, and, and if so, then I 100% think he's not only a, a contender for race wins, but a contender for the championship. Um, you know, wh- another one worth mentioning, because I do think he's doing a couple nationals, is, is Daxton Bennett. Um, he's a local boy for me. He's from here in North Carolina. Uh, Daxon's been one to watch for a long, long time. Uh, grew up on those KTMs, and then I think Star recognized his ability and, and scooped him up. So I'm excited to see what he's able to do. Uh, he's doing Loretta this year, and, and I think he's got a lot of pressure on his back there. Um, and, and then the nice thing that I think with his Star situation is, yes, they obviously want him to do well at Loretta's, but with him doing those Nationals, I think – it's clear that their sights are beyond Loretta's at the moment. And they're like, okay, well, you know, we need to get you prepared for the real stuff. And so we'll see. Um, Man, it seems like this this team just never ends. They're going to need three or four different semis. But uh, uh, Jordan Smith and and then I believe it's it's Gilliam Ferris is how you say it. Gilliam. Gilliam, yeah. uh, But both of them, I believe, I'm not quite sure. I, I think there's some question marks around them. Um, Brad, have you heard anything about either one of those? I know Ferris has, like, he's basically, he's the the outdoor specialist for for Star. Uh, he will be there. The question is uh, how he will perform. Uh, he led some laps at the first national that he went to, and obviously that's huge for the team. And that, like, I think that's, ba- like, he basically got this year's ride on those laps specifically, and that's an amazing thing about motocross is that you can basically get um, an entire year's salary and support off of uh, one amazing afternoon. Um, I think he's going to be, he obviously is a huge, huge question mark, but he's someone who might surprise a lot of people, especially with just like having that much time with one manufacturer and focusing specifically on outdoors. He's going to be all systems go when the gate drops at Fox Raceway. We have not yeah, really I, ever I, seen, go ahead. No, I was going to say I completely agree because, I mean, he's one for me where obviously I remember his name from that performance that you're talking about, but it's almost like, oh, wait a second. I didn't even think about him. Like, I almost completely forgot. I literally did forget. I, I got, like, uh, I'm looking at my show notes and uh, you're reading through them and I'm literally just, like, adding him midway. I'm like, holy crap, uh, Star Racing Yamaha. If everyone was healthy and Daxton Benick was going to race select nationals, they would show up with nine guys. Um which is ridiculous. Like they have Romano and Thrasher who are going to be hurt, and they're still going to show up with six guys. Um, and so, like literally, even if they went like nuts to butts from first to sixth place, like someone in that group is not pumped about getting sixth place. Um, which is almost shades of uh, of Pro Circuit uh, during their most uh, effective years when they, I think, one year they swept first through fourth um, with uh, Townley. Uh, yes, Villapoto, Townley, 
Uh, Metcalf, Metcalf and and Stroop were, uh, were were one through four at one of the nationals. Um, that was pretty impressive back in the day. I know they swept the podium a few uh, more than a few times uh, during that particular year. That's two thousand and seven. Uh, or no, that's oh wait. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, Ferris is going to be fast. We've never really seen a lot of great performances outdoors from Jordan Smith, uh, Jordan Smith. Uh, which is he's like he does this the favor of spelling his name very inc- uh, very interestingly, uh, but yeah we're going to see what we're going to get from him. Honestly, uh, I think he's he, he's one of those guys like you said that just keeps the leaves the gas on. He's not afraid to do so. Uh, that does happen to bite him every once in a while. Um, but we're forty minutes into the two fifty class and we haven't gotten to our last two manufacturers, so we'll leave it there and we'll see what uh, how the chips fall in one week's time. Moving on to Pro Circuit Kawasaki. This, for the longest time, has been the most preeminent, uh, and they still do have the most titles in this class in the last 20 years. Um, but it's been a while. It's uh, It's been since, uh, well, I guess it's 2019 uh, without MC and Cirillo. But prior to that, there was uh, a, a number of years where they were not able to get it done. The Yamahas were just so good for so long. Um, and they're, they're running into this season pretty wounded. They've got... Uh, Seth, Seth Hamaker is still recovering from his wrist slash arm injury. Apparently the, the surgery that originally was done, uh, did not go well as far as, uh, him being able to come back from that, uh, at a, at any expedient pace. Uh, it's not surprising to know that uh, Austin Forkner is still recovering from his knee injury. Um, I would expect to see him possibly around round five or six. Um, if he's back on the bike, full go and all that fun stuff, whether or not Kawasaki thinks that's a good idea to kind of trot him out there, uh, obviously not able to like he maybe be able to win some races, but not necessarily actually um, like be be out there doing his thing. Uh, and then same thing with for uh, unfortunately the 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 unfortunate timing of the um, the the injury to Cameron McAdoo is that not only did it affect the tail end of his Supercross season, which the guy is an absolute warrior um, for for dealing with like pain and injuries and swelling in his arm and stuff like that, uh, but he's going to miss at least the beginning of, if not the entire outdoor series. Um, so that leaves Ryder D. Francisco, who, who is uh, a full-blown rookie in this class. He raced a couple of nationals last year, which he, he like showed some speed, but I don't think he was able to put his best foot forward. Carson Mumford uh, is back on... Uh, uh, Factory-backed uh, motorcycle for the first time since uh, in the outdoors for the first time since he was on Geico Honda back in 2020, uh, which feels like forever ago. Another rookie on the team, which it's not actually that all that common that uh, Mitch has multiple rookies um, on the team same year. Obviously, Jet Reynolds probably should have turned pro all of last year, but due to some arm injuries uh, and all that fun, uh, he had some really uh, big issues with the, the, an elbow and slash wrist injury that he had. He's essentially making his uh, his he is making his 250 debut in, uh, in this weekend at Fox Raceway, and then you have Joe Shimoda, who is a full blown championship contender. Um, a lot of speculation of him going off to to Honda for 2024. Um, but Zach, run through these these green guys for me. Like these pickles are going to be absolutely flying this year. Um, but there's also some question marks that surround guys like Mumford, guys like DeFrancisco and Reynolds. Um, well, and yeah, the, break, the worst part about it is, yeah, no, and, and to your point right there, the worst part is I think 
what do we always say about the rookies is, is we see the mistake. We see whether it's an injury or something like that. So I, I'm just, I have my fingers crossed. Obviously PC, they're legendary as far as 250 racing goes. Um, you know, and, and we even just talked about those dominating Villapoto and Townley battles and, and stuff like that. I so used to play dress up. I, I showed be, you that. You guys made fun of me. Dude, I was, I was at Bud's in 07, and, and I mean, that, that's probably my favorite year of outdoor racing, especially in the 250 class. Um, and, and so I think it's – I'm just crossing my fingers and toes that the guys don't get hurt. Um, I, I mean, as far as performance goes, I really don't know. I, I think DeFrancesco or DeFrancisco, I've heard it said so many different ways now. I'm, I'm honestly confused, which is correct. Um, I, I think he's coming in with a, with some serious expectation. Ryder, to me, has been one of those guys that I don't want to say he's quite at the level of what Cincerello and Webb were in the sense of just popularity amateur-wise, but I, I think Ryder has been on a lot of people's radar for a long time, um, and, and you can also argue the same thing with Jet Reynolds. Both of them have names that growing up we were, oh, they're going to be somebody, um, and, and so – We'll see. Uh, I mean, it's honestly kind of surprising to hear that it sounds like uh, Ryder is going to be going a different way next year, but I still think um, I, I'm quite confident, in fact, that Mitch Payton has some serious expectations this year, and uh, whatever's happening after the series is one thing. Ryder's are professional, and, and you know, you're getting paid to race this season. So I hope he goes out there and performs well. I, I hope Reynolds is able to uh, stay up there and stay healthy as well. Uh, these guys, I don't I'm going to be honest, I'm not expecting a ton right off of the gate. Maybe Mumford, he's got some experience, um, and, and I think he's got the confidence and wants to show that he deserves that ride. Um, but for, for Jet Reynolds and then Ryder Francisco there, both of them I would hopefully like to see them really starting to build momentum towards the middle part of the season um, and, and then possibly getting in there and really starting a battle for hopefully within that top, I, for them, I, the question is where that area is at. Are they going to be fighting the battle in the fifth, you know, inside the top 20, 15, or, or are they going to be able to fight right on that, that top 10 line? So we'll see for them. And, and then Joe Shimoda, it's kind of a complete different story. Um, I, I think he's got the, he's got the pressure and he's got the expectation and, and he's got to perform regardless of whether he's headed to Honda or not. Uh, he's been on this team for a while. They've clearly got, notes and setup notes and everything like that so i think the comfort should be there and uh we, i just hope he's able to to get the job done certainly uh, yeah I, i'm i'm really interested to see how this things go I, I don't know if you if you ever remember a year rolling into an outdoor season where both 250s and 450s we have so many almost confirmed rumors of where certain guys are going for next year like i never remember having like I think there's at least eight different riders, or maybe seven different riders, who like we know where they're going to be next year, uh, and it's it's going to be on a different team. Uh, very surprising to see that, and it's sort of like I don't know if that sort of creeps into these guys' heads at all, rolling into certain seasons and stuff like that. Obviously, uh, they like they got to put their best foot forward and, and uh, focus on the task at hand. But um, the reality is, is we've broken down 19 guys, and we haven't even gotten to Team Honda yet, which is the next on the docket. Uh, that's Chance Hymas, 
full-blown rookie, like many of the of the other rookies in this class. Uh, there's actually going to be a lot of newcomers uh, for this particular series, which is awesome to see. Uh, some new injected talent, and uh, you know these kids are going to be champing at the bit to prove themselves. And then you've got for the the, the consensus uh, title title uh, favorite. Honestly, I think he's he's got to be that for a lot of people. Hunter Lawrence, um, I expect the the red plate to be on his bike for a good portion of this eleven round series. What say you? Yeah, might. I mean, it's hard to bet against the Aussie, uh, but no. In all serious, uh, I think <laughs> what you were saying before we even got to Honda, I, I think is is a point worth mentioning. The the comfort of just knowing, hey, I have this ride. I don't have the pressure of having to perform right now. I, I'm already signed, and I believe both Chance and Hunter um, are, are signed beyond just this year. And so for them, I think it's it's we need to perform. Obviously, Hunter or Honda, I'm sorry, coming off of, well, I guess you could say Hunter and Honda, coming off of an incredible Supercross season. Uh, but for Honda especially, they're running on a high. Um, and, and hopefully that high is carried over to outdoors, um, and you don't see the – the dip that some people talk about after a championship. Um, the Lawrence brothers, they are, they got to be on top of the world right now. Uh, I mean, whether you like them or you don't, I, I personally am a fan of, of them and their entire family. Um, I, I think they are, how can you bet against them right now? Hunter, he's, he's got the, the experience. He's got the ability. He's done it in Europe. He's shown that he's capable of doing it here. Um, I think he's got to avoid little mistakes. Sometimes we see Hunter go cartwheeling, um, Hunter sometimes gets in Hunter's own way. And so hopefully he's, he's not coming in with like a, I need to just dominate and, and try to go undefeated or something like that. I think he's got to be smart. And, and maybe if he's not first or second here at round one, we can't panic. I'm sure, you know, the media people, we all have said, Oh, he's, he's not feeling it or this, that, and the other thing. But, um, I, I think for him, He's got to have the big picture in mind because, like you said, it's it's hard to say that he's not the title favorite. Yeah, no, and and there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that. Your your younger brother is the defending champion, which is another uh, tidbit about this whole outdoor series is that we don't have either racer repli- uh, being able to defend their title. You have Eli Tomac, who is recovering from Achilles surgery. He's going to be out. And then you've got Jet Lawrence, who's making his 450 debut. We're going to get to him in a short bit. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of pressure. And like we, we just saw a championship in the 450 class who like everyone was like, oh yeah, it's Eli, absolute, like dollars to donuts. It's going to happen. And out of nowhere, an injury that is completely out of left field, no one expected that to happen. The the Expect the unexpected when it comes to motocross. Like something along the same lines can happen to uh, to a guy like uh, Hunter Lawrence just as easily, and that's why he needs to uh, put his best foot forward and uh, every single weekend and and fight for this championship. Because um, yeah, like once he gets to the 450 class, his brother's gonna make it kind of hard for him. So um, yeah, like uh, we'll we'll see what happens that way. Uh, a couple of questions I have for you before we move over to the 450 class. Uh, damn, we're damn near an hour into this thing. We haven't gotten to the 450 class, but unfortunately, uh, fortunately for us, there's a few a few less guys uh, in that class that are uh, um, that are sort of noteworthy and can be talked about. A lot of them are coming back from injury, but let, let's talk about uh, who do you think is going to be the top rookie in the 250 class? Go. Uh, man, I don't know. That's that's a lot of 
Mm, sorry, I'm, I'm rolling through my list here. I feel like I'm going to forget one. Um, I would like to say I'm going to go. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I, I really am interested to see what Braswell is able to do. Um, I, I think he's, like you said, not quite as much time on the bike as I'm sure he would like, but. Uh, I, I don't know something about this whole thing. It's kind of, kind of one of those things where when everything seems to fall into place at that last minute, maybe it's for a reason. And so we'll see. I'm I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Braswell. Hello, Brad. Sorry, I was muted. You take you take Caden Braswell. I'm gonna go with Hayden Deegan because if I don't, the internet might light me on fire. Yeah, I didn't want to just be the, the oh, of course he went with Hayden Deegan, but yeah, I definitely think he's one to watch. Um, and, and I was I was extremely impressed with the way they played that Supercross season. Um, I, I think he did a good job of keeping himself from getting hurt and getting too, too crazy. Um, so we'll see. He's, he's definitely one worth noting as well. Absolutely. Honestly, like getting back, to, just to touch on Hayden, as we roll out of this 250 class, the guy gets like he. There's no shortage of publicity and storylines around Hayden Deegan. Love him, hate him, everything else in between. He seems to be very polarizing. You either absolutely love this kid and you think that he's going to go 24 and 0, or you think that uh, he like that you you somehow hope that he loses his ride, which is not practical or something that's going to happen. His his nationals last year did not go well. Um, the, the, the huge crashes, this, that, and the other thing, he did have extreme speed. And that's one thing that I think is going to be a, uh, is going to be a, um, a constant within his career. He is going to be a guy who like keeps the throttle pinned wherever he goes. Uh, whether it stay with, stays with Yamaha, uh, two fifties, four fifties, that kid is going to twist the throttle, um, in an aggressive way, his entire career. Um, my question is whether or not he's going to be able to rail that in and really show uh, a, a like consistency and speed. If if the if the Hayden Deegan that we saw in Supercross shows up outdoors, that is a problem for everybody because he's gonna be he's gonna be good in qualifying. He's gonna have good gate picks, and um, I don't think there's like like he has all the pressure in the world of him, on him with basically people just like he's barely, barely raced. Uh, three outdoor nationals, and uh, people are crowning him as like the the, be- the best thing since sliced bread. So that's got to be pressure for a seventeen year old turning eighteen year old uh, in the next little while here. Um, so, but he seems to be completely unfazed by that because I think he's had pressure on him everywhere he's gone since he started racing dirt bikes. Your dad is the general. He's like uh, like he is Spencer Owens' uh, impression of his father. Um, it's and, I, and we're going to have Spencer on at some point to do that. Uh, you'll, you'll like for those listening, you will actually think that it's Brian Deegan on the show. Uh, maybe I should have Brian on somehow. Get Brian on the show and then call up Spencer, and then we can figure out like if we can have the people at home listen, to, like who's who, and like that would be like one of those like Spider Man like pointing at each other. Uh, be very confusing, even for me probably. Um, but anyway, I, I'm going with Hayden because I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be uh, he's going to be dominant. I think he's going to have a really good summer, um, and that's not just because I, I fear his uh, his his fandom uh, getting into my DMs and threatening my life. Um, championship contenders, I'll go first on this one because I uh, I gave you the tough question of type, top rookie right off the hop. I'm going to go Hunter Lawrence with the uh, right off the hop. 
uh, with your title. I think he's the front runner. Uh, Joe Shimoda would be the next closest for me. And then uh, I'll actually go with Levi Kitchen as, uh, as my third rider uh, who's going to contend for that championship. Uh, I actually see him taking a step forward ahead of Justin Cooper. Um, but I don't think J- Justin Cooper is going to be too far off the pace either. Uh, those are my three. Who do you got? I, I'm i going to go... Yeah, it's hard to bet against Hunter as the favorite. Um, I want to put... Yeah, Hunter. But uh, I want to put RJ in there. Uh, I really... You just have to think eventually he's gonna gonna be able to figure it out. Uh, he's he's been there. He's got the experience. He's got the speed. Um, so I'll throw RJ in the mix, and, and then I don't know. It's kind of a toss up there on that third spot. Um, I, I think expectation wise, a lot of people are looking at Justin Cooper, saying, you know, you drop back down to the two fifty, you better expect to be grabbing a number one plate. Um, but I, I'm just not convinced that I think it's going to happen. Um, let's go. I'll say Vial. Uh, if he's able to stay healthy, um, he's shown that he's capable of, of going through an entire season. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be, I'll be interested to see, like I said, how the elements affect him throughout the summer as far as the heat and, and everything like that. But uh, uh, like you said earlier, I think the, the being a good starter is going to be so crucial in this season, especially um, I'll, I'll put him third on that list. Fair enough. Well, we just talked about 21 different guys in the 250 class. Uh, injuries will happen. DNFs will happen. But one thing is for certain, the 250 class is extremely deep. And uh, right in through that, like, sort of that fourth through eighth, tenth place, like, those are just chocked full of guys who every single one of them believes that they should be a podium guy. Uh, and that's one of the things I love about professional motocross is you get these guys, they got big egos, lots of speed, and none of them feel like they should be a 10th place guy. But guess what? Someone's got to go out there and get 10th because um, just how these things work out. And uh, there's going to be some guys that are not happy with themselves, not happy with their results. Um, but we're going to be uh, watching on, uh, you, you must watch on, on Peacock. I think I still get to watch on the uh, on the uh, video pass. There's like an international video pass thing. How do you watch it? Yeah, Peacock is what I've always used for this last little bit, but uh, I usually do my standard Saturday morning freak out of, what is it on today? And then I figure it out. But yeah, I'm pretty sure for this whole season, it's supposed to be on Peacock. All right. Well, I can't wait till uh, the day comes where I flip on my uh, my video pass and, uh, and I've got um, Zach Heron giving me uh, the play-by-play. Moving over to the 450 class, the big boys. Let's move back over to Suzuki. Uh, this will be a short conversation. Uh, it's it's Derek Drake on uh, on the Barak Suzuki and question mark. Uh, if there is a Hep Suzuki out there, I would assume that it's Marshall Welton, and I would assume it's a 450. Uh, any thoughts on those guys? Um, like Derek Drake, he, he's had a very disjointed start to his career. Uh, obviously, turned pro with TLD KTM. Uh, he led. Did he win the moto? No, I think he just, he, he led. A long moto at WW Ranch, and that was maybe the biggest, like, sort of flash in the pan that we've seen from him. Uh, since then, it's been it's been unfortunate injuries, and uh, and now a lot less support than you'd probably want him to have. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he's able to uh, to do with this Bar X program. 
Um, I, I think he's been on the bike for a little bit, but uh, as far as Drake's career goes, yeah, I definitely think it's been different than maybe envisioned by a lot of people. Um, but, you know, all the more reason for him to go out and, and try to make something of it. Uh, I, I think some people can even argue that uh, when you don't have the pressure on and maybe you don't have as many eyes right there on you that you're able to perform a little better. So uh, we'll see as far as the Suzuki program goes. Um, I, I don't think that there's going to be a ton of yellow fenders in there, but uh, I think ho- hopefully we'll see Drake inside and finishing races. Um, I, I just, for me, it, it's just stay healthy. I think for him, he just needs to get some results. Um, you know, you take a look at, at Gas Gas jumping into the Austrian brands, uh, Barsha, Barsha I'm bummed about because, man, he really looked good in Supercross, and I think he felt good, and I think it was – he was really kind of – it was almost like the new Barsha, I've heard some people call it, um, which, don't get me wrong, I still think Bam Bam lies deep deep down below and, and waits for an opportunity to jump out. But uh, Something we'll about zebras Barsha's and stripes, I can't remember what the saying is. Yeah, something about that. I I, I don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll see if, if Bam Bam's turned the page or, or what. And, and especially – with him missing the start of the season, the points obviously not going to be quite as much of a of an ordeal. And for that, you can argue two different ways. Uh, I think a lot of people argue, hey, well, now rather than I need to figure out, you know, just take second on the day, now that I it's like, hey, I really want to get this win. And so um, maybe we'll see. I, I'm hoping he gets healed up and, and everything will be good. And I just want the Barsha to return at 100% and be just as feisty and fighty as we saw him in Supercross. Yeah, no, I would love to see it. Uh, I think he's got uh, the the potential to to win and and lead races, and at least adds a little bit of Barsha spice into uh, the 450 class. Um, he gets good starts and he fights for his position uh, regardless of who is knocking at the door. Rockstar Husqvarna, as far as I can tell, will not be fielding a rider uh, to start the season, which is a huge surprise to me. Uh, I would assume that Rockstar has some sort of um. Can like some something in the contract they have to field somebody, but Malcolm Stewart out, Christian Craig out. Um, I kind of joked on the on our show notes here that um, my uh, uh, alter ego for you, which I assume will one day be your stage name. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Zach is a very accomplished uh, musician um, and very well could one day go by the name of Heron Dane. Um, and uh, yeah, I think like, uh, like can you confirm or deny that you'll be racing a 450 for Husky this year, Heron? Hey, I tell you what, Heron Dean is here. He's prepared. He's done the work in the off season. He's trusted the process, and all he needs is a phone call. So, if uh, Rockstar Husky, if you're listening, just reach out. You know how to you know how to get a hold of me. Now, Heron Dean. All right. So moving Heron over Dane. to <laughs> uh, KTM. When we started this podcast, I think thought it was going to be Aaron Plessinger alone and sad with nobody to help him boost up the like uh, the the atmosphere in the KTM truck. Uh, I was going to just it was going to be cowboy hats and not a whole lot else uh, under that tent. But this just in breaking news: Cooper Webb will be coming back as a running mate with Aaron Plessinger. Um, concussion protocol over. 
There's some footage of him riding outdoors. Um, give me your thoughts on the KTM guys. Uh, it needs to be a good season for Plessinger. He needs a, bou- a bounce back. Um, it was gut-wrenching for me to see him lose that Supercross after basically leading the entire thing. Um, but a guy who, he's got one one outdoor win. Millville 2019 went 1-1 in the mud. Um but, uh, yeah, he was, for all intents and purposes, he should have been second in points this year in Supercross and uh, and have a lot of momentum with him rolling into the outdoors. Um, is that momentum still there? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the way this goes with, with KTM in general. Uh, both, both AP and Cooper are two of my favorite riders in the field, honestly. Uh, Pleasant are just such a Pastrana-esque, friendly face. I, I mean, it's just... I, I'm sorry. I, I don't understand how you don't like the guy. Um, you know, he's actually, I was fortunate enough to win a higher education scholarship that he did way back, uh, I believe it was like 2016. Um, no way. And, and so, for, yeah, it was actually the only higher education scholarship I think that was ever been offered for motorcycle races there. But uh, MX Sports and Aaron Plessinger both hooked me up there. Um, and, and so, you know, maybe I'm a little biased on that end. But uh, at the end of the day, AP is is the personality of the sport. Whether I, I think, regardless of the results, he just brings uh, a certain happiness and a certain appreciation for what these riders are able to do and what we as media and and as fans ultimately are able to experience with with just watching motorcycle racing. And so um, I'm always pulling for AP. If the number seven's out front, I'm I'm cheering him on and, and slinging the towel and everything else. So um, I, I hope to see that cowboy up front. And uh, I would love to see him in a, in a points battle. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I think it, it's hard to predict that or, or hard to say that I expect it to happen. But, man, I would love it if it did. Um, I, I think Flesinger, he's, he's had those flashes. Obviously, the, the crushing finish there at that Supercross. I mean, I was I was sick on my stomach. I felt so bad for him. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I really hope he's able to figure it out and, and consistently stay up at the front of the field. And then Cooper Webb, for me, uh, again, another North Carolina native that I have been lapped by Cooper Webb several, several times, um, six times in a five-lap race, matter of fact. But uh, Cooper is, is just – he's one of those guys – I know a lot of people get rubbed the wrong way by him as far as that, that chip on the shoulder, and he's not – he is not Aaron Plessinger when it comes to the media side of stuff. Um, but I, I like the way Cooper, Cooper carries himself. Um, I like the way – Cooper is is almost embraces the dirty, the grueling, the the just the putrid conditions that are the outdoor nationals. I think you have a lot of riders that even the ones that are doing it, they're definitely not looking forward to it. And I think when Cooper makes the decision that he's going to race this series, which both you and I were were super stoked to find out uh, that he was going to be out there, I I immediately put him into the championship conversation. And for me, immediately put him in favor. I think Coop is, he's a dog, and, and I think he wants to go out there. And especially after the way he went out in Supercross, um, if that chip on the shoulder could be a little bigger, I think that's what he comes into round one with. I think, I think so, too. Honestly, um, my favorite Cooper is a Cooper with something to prove. And um, something tells me that that is still there right now. I think that he has um, a big chip on his shoulder. I think he can even manufacture that uh, when he has basically anyone who doubts him. And for whatever reason, Cooper has been essentially doubted his entire pro career, except given the fact that he has 
two uh, two Supercross championships, a one uh, the 250 Outdoor Championship, and two 450 Supercross championships. Uh, hey, maybe this is something that he wants to ch- uh, check off uh, before the curtain falls on his career is an outdoor championship, and he certainly has the skill set to do it. Um, and he's going to be a thorn in the side of anybody who is uh, a, a serious contender for this championship. Um, don't count this guy out. Neither can you yeah, count I out. Yeah, without a doubt. Absolutely. Eli Tomac out for the season. Achilles injury, devastating. For the Supercross championship as well as the outdoors, that was going to be a marquee guy that the outdoors were going to be able to. Like People love to watch Eli just go all beast mode all over the outdoors. He's been one of the most flagship riders uh bringing people through the gates for uh, a number of years it had we have not seen him uh leave the series since 2015 colorado when he dislocated not one but two shoulders all at the same time which is uh pretty incredible to watch honestly like that is um one of the most horrific crashes and injury combos that we've seen in the sport um, seeing a guy on the side of the track with two dislocated shoulders is, uh, and then having to do bilateral uh, surgery thereafter to fix those. No, uh, that that I don't ever. Yeah, I don't want ever want to see that ever again. Um, wh- who would have been his running mate this year is Dylan Ferrandez. He's coming back with a full bill of health. Decided not to come back for any Supercross races. Uh, full fat, like full focus on outdoors, which I think is a huge. Uh, tick in his box as far as preparedness he's the 2021 champ he beat Eli Tomac on the way to that championship he's been hurt ever since is he still a threat I say yes yeah I I don't understand how anybody cannot look at the the number 14 machine and think that he's going to be in contention for the championship um and you know off if you really want to look at it comparative comparable I'm sorry to uh Gillen Ferris there the focus on outdoors specifically. I, I don't think it's any secret that these guys really do spend a ton of time on Supercross, and, and they're working all the way to the end of the season. Um, whereas, Brandis, it's been, hey, I am coming out swinging for this championship in outdoors, and I feel like he has got to just have the utmost confidence and comfort on the bike when they're sitting on the gate for round one. Um, I, I mean, so many times, even those top contenders, you look at Chase Sexton, um, you look at Cooper Webb even, uh, these guys haven't probably been able to test for outdoors as much as they would like, and whereas Ferrandis, he had all that figured out a couple months ago, and now he's yeah. just been you know grinding out doing motos, and so um, I'm, I'm really curious to see how he comes out in the, at round one, and then uh, ultimately, yeah, I think he's going to be a threat deeper into the season as we go. Certainly. I, I think the biggest part of that is not only the riding technique and opening up your corners and getting used to the high speeds of outdoors, um, but people forget this is a brand new year for the out, the, the Yamaha 450. Um, it's essentially a brand new motorcycle. It's very different from the one that he won his championship on. Um, but in the, this day and age of all the technology that's possible uh, of, of really tuning in this motorcycle, when you have Star Racing Yamaha who have as many... Like extremely smart individuals who can help him dial in this motorcycle with that extra time, I can only imagine how much, like, just the the chassis setups and, and the the ECU changes that have been able to make uh, when getting ready for this championship puts him in a really really good position to be successful uh, rolling into the season, which is honestly not something you can say about uh, Adam Cienstarillo, who 
is on the second, I believe this is the third year on that Kawasaki. They're getting a brand new bike for 2024. Uh, he's not 100%. He still gets some numbness in his hands and is still trying to figure that out. Unfor like, fortunately for him, he still hasn't, for he hasn't forgotten how to go really, really fast on a dirt bike. He won't have his teammate uh, to start the season with uh, Jason Anderson, so he'll get all of the focus from factory Kawasaki. But unfortunately for him, I don't see him being the, 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 the title threat that he would have been in 2020, 2021, or even in 2022 with all the injuries that he had coming off of the success that he had on the 250. Yeah, AC is in a in a tough spot right now because he's he's I feel like on an upturn. I, I really do think he's got to look at the Supercross season as a positive, and then obviously the emotion uh, they're getting that podium, um, well deserved. Uh, Adam, like I said, I even mentioned earlier, um, kind of the amateur prodigy, just so much focus. Um, you know, honestly, you can even say kind of fueled Cooper Webb to who he is today. But um, I, I think AC. That pressure's not only been coming externally, but I think he's he puts a lot on his back, um, and his his heart is always just a hundred percent in it. And so, um, AC, I think he's got confidence coming into the season, but I still think he needs to take round one, uh, maybe even the first couple of rounds, and really assess where his fitness is at, where his health is at, um, because the biggest thing that I want to see is Adam Cincerello at rounds nine, ten, eleven. You know, I think, and I feel like that's got to be what his team is telling him as well. Um, between the, the injuries and the issues, I think everybody around him has got to be saying, hey, take what you can get. I, I know a lot of people got sick of, of even Ricky Carmichael saying it in the Supercross season in the sense of he's just trying to build. He's just trying to get results. But um, I don't think people quite understand how difficult it is to get back to the the, the sharpest edge that these guys have to be at to ride this stuff. And, and um, in a lot of ways, you could even say just the ability to suffer in the outdoors is required. And so if you're not at that peak health, if you're not able to go into those, you know, 30 plus minutes with, with razor sharpness, um, that can, that can cause issues and it cause further injuries. So AC's got to be there. Um, Jason Anderson, I really think he's another one that can be a thorn in the side of the championship battle when he does return, um, I'm not sure that I feel like he's going to be super consistent um, with the results. Maybe grab a grab a race win, uh, possibly even an overall. But uh, it'll just—he's got to get the starts. He's got to be up there front uh, early, and, and I think that's that's the only way we're really going to see him there late in the moto. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, just at the moment, I, I can't think that he's going to have that come through the pack speed. Um, and, and then you know the final team there on the docket uh once again is is honda um and that that's got a lot of question marks around it as much as exclamation points and anything else you want to say you've got jet lawrence who's who's coming off of punctuation a, a great, yeah exactly I, I mean because it's like how do you not think they're going to be the favorites but at the same time with that team going through so much and as much effort as they had to put into it um and, and you know chasing them were working all the way to the end of the season um I don't know. I hope that they're able to come out at round one and really perform. Um, but with Jet, you know, those 450s can humble you very quick. Obviously, Jet's an extremely skilled rider, and he's got a good amount of time on that bike, um, including being able to ride it at, at Motocross the Nations there. Um, but I think for Jet, it's just, hey, find your place. Don't go out there and be the the cocky kid that's just crazy fast like i i even remember back in i believe it's possibly 2011 when barsha 
uh, jumped up to the 450 for a couple of rounds and like was running it in on, on Villapoto and Dungey and stuff like yeah. that. And, and it oh, was not making it friends. Was cool. Yeah, it was cool. But at the same time, you were almost like, all right, man, like chill out just a little bit, take your time, which I believe that was in the middle of the season. Um, but for Jet, I think he needs to find his footing, not only on the 450, but in the 450 class figure out exactly where he finds in the mix uh, don't get me wrong these 450 guys know who jet lawrence is they know he's coming and i'm sure each and every one of them would love to be like hey kid you might be the guy in the 250 class right now but this is the big dog so um i also think i'm not gonna say he's got a target on his back but i think everybody really wants to make sure that jet lawrence is behind them um and that's definitely not going to be something that's going to be easy to do Oh, for sure. I, I think I would be surprised to see if there's nobody who gonna gives him a little bit of a, a welcome to the big class kid moments. I don't think there's anyone gonna like just gonna beeline for him. But uh, like you said, the bike is uh, has the ability to humble some guys, and there's some riders in that class that also are be, have a lot of pride and are probably damn near tired uh, of hearing uh, about all of the how awesome. Jet Lawrence is. And of course, we have a very small sample size of him racing a 450 at Morecrest as Nations where he was able to be successful enough to actually win the class. And if I'm not mistaken, win the, like, he won the uh, Morecrest as Nations as far as one single rider uh, performance. He, he was extreme. He, he rode extremely well. But at the same time, that is, like, I'm, I'm not willing to uh, take one amazing afternoon and use that as a broad brush of how he's going to, as his 450 career has gone, has gone. There has been a number of guys who were extremely dominant or showed a lot of speed in the 125 or 250 class, and that didn't materialize as uh, championship material. Uh, guys like Ben Townley come, come to mind, who was never really able to make that step. Um, even Eli Tomac, right off the hop, moving to outdoors, was not immediately uh, super dominant. Um, like you've guys like uh, Ken Roxon who were able to be uh, have success on the KTM as well as the Suzuki very early, um, but they were a little bit older as well. I think that uh, like like obviously um, Jet, he's he's a little bit does uh, he's he looks stronger than he's ever looked. Uh, clearly, uh, he's he's taken the right. Uh, um, the right dose of supplements to uh, to to match his current workout regime that's allowed him to to fill out a little bit more as an athlete, but he's still only 19 years old. He turns uh, he turns 20 this summer, um, but uh, yeah, I think that um, he's gonna have his work cut out for him. And his teammate Chase Sexton, coming off of a Supercross championship, the same guy who took the the outdoor championship down to the last round last year. Don't forget that. Um, is certainly going to have something to say about it. And, um, like, you know those guys. They like to be the big dog under the tent. Well, now you're going to have two big dogs in the 450 class, and I don't know uh, how much Chase Sexton's going to like that. I would not be surprised to see some uh, some inter-team animosity between these two guys. Uh, it's been a long, long time since we had two guys on Hondas at the front of the pack. I believe that was 2003, but those guys weren't even teammates. That's uh, Ricky Carmichael and... Um, and Kevin Windham in that particular season. That's uh, Factory Factory Connection Honda and Factory Honda uh, sharing technology, but not really uh, sharing a pit area. So it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised to see both these guys hanging out in their uh, in in their transporters a whole lot more than they're hanging out at the truck. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the uh, the team dynamic. Like I said, they're coming the entire team. They're coming off of a huge high, grabbing all the Supercross championships. Um, it's a big family. Everybody seemed to get along so well. 
but I think walking away from that night, trophies are in hand. Uh, you know, the, the switch is flipped. Jet Lawrence is now in the 450 class, and uh, he's not the 250 kid on Chase Sexton's team. He's now the teammate, and I think for Chase Sexton, I don't think you're going to see a lot of issues until you start to see Jet Lawrence out in front of him. Uh, to your point, as far as the, the, the nation's performance that we saw from Lawrence, uh, you heard a lot of chirping online. You heard a lot of a lot of talk that you know, hey, that that goes to show like he's immediately going to be able to run with Chase Sexton. Um, I, I'm curious to see whether Chase is able to tune everything out. Um, I'm also Chase. I think is a guy that's got to be thinking big picture. Like you said, came down to to the final round last year. Um, so Jet, I think in a way, I think he's going to come out and do not those kiddish type things, but I think he's going to come out swinging. I really think he's going to try to fight hard to grab this first race win. Um, and I think you might not see Chase fight him quite as hard on it as some people might think, especially if they're both running up at the front of the pack. Um, but as it gets deeper and deeper into the season, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be quite as much chit-chatting in the common area. And, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be funny to watch. Uh, you know, once again, going back to, to even pro circuit there in 07, Mitch Payton talked about, you know, leaving the podium. One guy's super happy, one guy's super pissed off. And so um, they're in the big class. They're, they're racing for the big money. Um, and, and Jet's already got such a spotlight on him and, and kind of a, a following around him. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the pressure will start to uh, start to really be felt when you see Jet stacking up those consistent performances where it's going to be, you know, is Chase Sexton able to – rise to what jet lawrence is um and i think in a lot of ways you almost saw that with cooper webb when he came over to ktm um he was kind of kind of thought he was going to be the, the backing guy and then oh wait a second he's he's performing and so um it'll be interesting to see chase is definitely i uh, in in a lot of ways i don't think you can bet against him for the championship favorite um coming off of an extremely performance he's got to be feeling good um so hopefully he just keeps the blinders on and focuses on what the the 23 can do uh, here in 2023. I know a lot of people are calling it the year of Chase Sexton. So uh, we'll see if that's going to come to fruition. And it all goes down this Saturday, Fox Raceway. Uh, maybe not the most picturesque uh, track on the circuit, uh, but you, you as well as I know, our good buddy Spencer Owens will be trackside capturing it all uh, for the 10 different publications that he'll be working for that particular weekend. Uh, before we say goodnight on this particular podcast, uh, I need your championship, uh, your top three in the 450 class. I'll let you go first on this one. So I am going to go Cooper Webb as my my pick for the championship. Uh, I I like Coop. I like the way he carries himself. And if he is able to really show that he is feeling confident and feeling back to 100% um, by by first and second round, as long as he's got decent performances at those, uh, Coop is my number one guy for the championship. I'm going to put Chase Sexton as, as the second-place spot for that. Um, I, I think he's got consistency. Obviously, the big question mark around him is, is those crashes, the late moto mistakes, um, but hopefully that's behind him and he's able to focus and, and, and bring home a championship. Uh, and then, once again, third place, I think you got to bet on the kid. I think I think uh, Jet Lawrence, everybody says, oh, he's going to make a mistake. He's going to do the rookie. He's going to do the rookie thing. I don't know. There's one guy that just seems to have a good team around him. I know Luke Smirtle, Jacob Hayes, 
uh, and that entire family that they kind of surround themselves with really working closely and, and telling these guys not only what they probably should be doing on track, but what's shaping the off-track life as well to where they've got a, a full program. Uh, Jet Lawrence is my third pick. Fair enough. Well, I, you know, I think like our championship uh, predictions are going to basically mirror each other uh, for the fact that this class is not nearly as deep as the as the um, the two fifty class. That's why it literally took us half the amount of time to to break these guys down. There just isn't going to be enough guys to get in between these guys to to really upset the apple cart as far as points go. Like even if Jet Lawrence happens to have a, a rookie ride where he ends up with a DNF somewhere along the lines, I still think that he's going to end up third in points. Um, he's going to be just behind Dylan Ferrandis. I really think that Ferrandis and uh, Chase Sexton have a table set for two for this championship. It's going to be red versus blue. It's this like beautiful like the, the I don't know if there's anything more American than having uh, a Yamaha and a Honda battling tooth and nail for a championship that just seems right to me. I don't know why. Maybe just those two colors going so well together. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be your championship, but I think Chase Exton gets it done. I think he uh, puts a huge exclamation point on his time at Honda by winning the Supercross and the outdoor title. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, Sexton's year to, uh, to to take the championship. Not too far behind will be Ferrandez. And then uh, uh, I'm going with, uh, with Jet Lawrence as well. I think he's going to have uh, – there's some cer- certain races like – uh, Red Bud, where he's had a lot of success in the past. Uh, I think he's going to be fast at Fox Raceway. I would not be surprised, like, would not be surprised to see Jet Lawrence uh, win this weekend just for the fact that he has so much time there, uh, a lot of good vibes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be uh, carrying the red plate through the, the entire summer. But like I said, would not be surprised to see him win this weekend. Um, but I think Chase Exxon is going to have something to say about it as well. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one to watch for sure. Absolutely, my friend. Zach Heron here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. It's been an hour and a half of great audio. Uh, thanks for those who were stuck with us through the entire podcast, breaking down the outdoor series in both classes. Probably should have broken this up into two classes so we can keep bringing the energy the entire time. I apologize if I was sort of like just laboring through. It's late in the moto. My elbows are down and I'm just going through this 450 class looking at more guys who are out than in. But regardless, it's going to be an awesome season. Zach, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, breaking it down with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And, uh, yeah, regardless of who's there and who's not, we all know when they line up behind that gate, uh, they say the, the, when the gate drops, the bullshit stops. And we're going to find out this weekend and uh, figure out who's coming out swinging. All right, man. We're going to uh, take off on this podcast again, going out with – one of your tunes. Uh, we're going back to Loretta's on this one. Uh, introduce the song for us, and we'll be out. Yeah, no, big shout-out to Brad for throwing this tune on there. This is uh, Out at the Ranch, written by a Loretta Lens racer to all the racers out there. And uh, anybody that's not been able to check it out yet, you really ought to throw it on your calendar. This is Out at the Ranch. Welcome to Best 42 in the land. All ages from kids up to grown men. Walk through the gates of the coal miner's daughter to make a point clearer than the creek water. Who's the best? Who's it gonna be? In Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. Can you feel the adrenaline? Dirt flies hypnotized by the whisper. Hear the crowd, everybody's whistling. Put it all together three times This one week of racing could change your life
and rowdy fans Play the national anthem and everybody stands Smell the smoke from the two strokes riding by The 30 second cards on its side Times. This one week of racing could change your life Everybody knows this